Hello and welcome back to the Timeline Astrology Podcast with myself, Gary O'Toole, and my very special guest today is Ricky Blythe. Ricky is an astrologer based in the UK with over 30 years of experience, and she's just released a new book, The Nth Degree. The Nth Degree describes how both zodiacs, sidereal and tropical, work. And I think you'll really enjoy this interview. I did. And also being a part of this, what I think is a movement. I've been looking at both zodiacs for years and always wanted to know how can they both be correct? How can you have two zodiacs that are both correct? Obviously, thousands and even millions of people around the world are using both zodiacs, whether it's more tropical Western-based astrology or sidereal Eastern or Indian-based astrology. So I think this is really timely. I think the conversation and also Ricky's work and her book is a really important movement in astrology. We're moving ages. This is the key point. We're moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And this precession of the signs is all about how do we take astrology into the new age? And Ricky does a really good job of explaining that in her book. So without further ado, here's Ricky. Welcome, Ricky. Thank you for having me, Gary. Um, it's an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I've been looking forward to this. I've been since we met last year. I should probably tell um, the audience that we met last year for the first time at the conference in England, uh, the Astrological Association conference, and we were both giving a talk on the same day about the tropical and sidereal zodiacs in our own way, right? Yeah. And and obviously I was intrigued. I, who's this? Who's this Ricky Light? And I obviously looked you up online, and I saw your website. I was like intrigued, even more intrigued. Hmm. So and then obviously I went to your talk, and I was blown away. Um, obviously because I'm you know, um, I was then honored to be asked to write the foreword for your book, which I feel like I I just feel for anyone looking here, the nth degree. I just feel very honored and I feel like part of a movement almost, even though there's only two of us. <laughs> but I feel like a part of a movement and I have been on this road already and everything seems to be clicking into place now for me. And I, that's partly because of you. So I have, I have a huge thanks uh, to say to you uh, for, you know, when you're out on your own on the leading edge, as it were, trying to figure these things out on your own and you don't think anyone else is doing it. You might read about like people like Cyril Fagan who had done it in the past, mm. but it's still not really quite the same until you meet somebody who's also doing it currently. I'd say, I'd say the same meeting you, you know, it's fueled me and it's like really kind of made me feel like, yes, you know, with two fists instead of just one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, with two fists instead of one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. It's exactly, yeah, that's how I felt. And it's like, my God, I'm not the only one. I'm not doing this on my own now of course we're doing two very different things though which is great as well because you're coming from the western tradition and i'm coming from the indian and yet we're still coming meeting in the middle and talking about two zodiacs so that's what your book is all about i mean it's called the nth degree which we'll talk about explain what that means tropical uh sidereal tropical they both work it's the subtitle um and well first of all maybe you could tell us a little bit about what is the difference between sidereal and tropical Okay. In your own words. And, and remember now, all, all the people listening here might, you know, have a passing interest in astrology, but they might not be astrologers. So in simple layman terms. 
Okay, well, thank you for that addition. <laughs> and I won't go too deeply into it. Well, I, I will go deeply. Um, so essentially, the difference between the sidereal and tropical is 24 degrees. And that 24 degrees has been created through precession of the equinoxes. And precession of the equinoxes is a cyclical um, movement that happens. Um, the, the cycle takes 26,000 years and it just goes on and on and on. So it's it, the, the difference of 24 degrees began at zero degrees, okay? and 2000 odd years ago, and it's now climbed up to 24, and it will get to 30 degrees. And that's where we are at now, but it's going to carry on moving. Okay, so the sidereal and the tropical zodiac are splitting, as it were, through precession of the equinoxes. And do you want me to explain that further, what that might look like? Maybe if you could give it for those who don't have a visual, to be able to, if you could explain, just those listening, uh, what is the precession of the equinoxes? Really? Okay, so the precession of the equinoxes is because the Earth spins like a slowing down gyroscope, right? So you know a gyroscope, as it's slow, when it's when it's spinning fast, it just the the the, the axis at the top just points straight up. As it slows down, it starts to make this circle. But the Earth spins with this circle, the axis circle, uh, it's almost in a stable way. So the Earth isn't slowing down, right? And it is because the axis of the Earth is changing directions over 26,000 years that it looks like when we're on the Earth that the, the Zodiac, my goodness, this is really going to go into loops and loops, okay? Essentially what it looks like is that the Zodiac, we are looking at the Zodiac from a different point, let's say on the 21st of March, if we, if we focus on the 21st of March, on the 21st of March, it looks like the Zodiac has moved backwards one degree every 70 year, 72 years. And so that oh, 72 years is a lifetime, so we kind of don't notice it. But over 2,000 of years, 2,000 years, what we look, what we see is where we thought 21st of March had 0 degrees Aries, it actually has 6 degrees Pisces, which is 24 degrees back. Mm. Now, has that explained? I always find it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like a tangle, isn't it? It's so there's so much to explain. Mm. And, and I think the, 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 the takeaway point is that the, the sidereal zodiac is based on where uh, the sun is at six degrees uh, Pisces on the 21st of March. Mm. I think that that that's got to be the takeaway. You know, everything else is like why it happens, how it happens. That's all like the astronomical mathematics of it all. Mm. And what's interesting when I listen to you talk about that is how they have moved and are moving, continue to move, and in our lifetime they have moved from the most um, commonly accepted calculations in Indian astrology, at least, is 
uh, moved from 23 to 24 degrees presently. Yeah. So it's actually moved a degree already in our lifetime. Yeah. So it's now at six degrees, as you say, um, of Pisces. And so this is where we'll, we'll get, get straight to it in your book, the nth degree comes in because, well, explain, explain to us what does the nth degree mean? Okay. Okay, so let's say you were born on the 21st of March, okay? And so you will have a sun in the tropical zodiac of naught degrees Aries. But in the sidereal, you would have a sun of six degrees Pisces. Okay, and so we're only dealing with the sun nature, but it matters for the moon nature, the Mercury nature, it matches for the whole lot of it. But to simplify it, going to stick with the sun. So then we've got this Aries personality, right? And the Pisces personality is the same person. And we can recognize both characteristics in ourselves, which is the point that they both work. Sidereal and tropical both work. We can recognize both characteristics in ourselves. So the nth degree is the principle of why we can recognize both characteristics in ourselves, And so that is because Pisces and um, Aries characteristics are a, a kind of like a protected characteristic. They're important. There are some characteristics that are important. So in Aries, we've got this dynamic um, assertiveness and impulsive Pisces, we've got this passive going with the flowness, right? And both those characteristics are important. And I would say important for the betterment of the individual and betterment for the humanity as well. And the nth degree says the assertiveness of trait of the assertiveness of Aries naturally flows into passivity. And that and this is in the same person. And that works by simply imagining a simple situation that, that an Aries person is going, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to ring this man, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to do this. And then they've done everything they wanted, I don't know, to sell one million books or something. And then they go, I have done everything I can. What more can I do? I have to sit back, I have to relax, I have to go with the flow. And that is an example of how the tropical flows backwards, as it were, but flows into the sidereal. So the sidereal behaviors are an extension and yet rooted in and part of the tropical. This, this is the point in your talk when you explain this so clearly and you, you use other examples as well. And we can go through that as well if people listening want to hear other signs as well. But I mean, essentially, that's what your book is laying out and not just with the ascendant, but all the planets, right? So yeah. That's great that people can read about all the planets in, in this nth degree. Um, but when I heard that from you sitting there, I was like, it all kind of finally <laughs> gelled together because it's interesting how we're all always just looking like, forward because yeah. that's how like so it's like you know obviously it's a procession so it never ever occurred to me that actually wait a minute like that actually aries could become pisces in that way because it's always like aries leads to taurus taurus leads to gemini you know this is how we go forward always in the zodiac and in our minds right there's a whole story that's told over and over again by astrologers about the journey through the zodiac but never backwards yeah right that's you know that's the first time i've ever heard it in like 25 years of astrology yeah. So it's interesting, right? When you just have that kind of 
shift in your awareness and everything opens up in a different way. So I was blown away, obviously. And I think people listening to this will, if they maybe more so people who just listen to Aries moving into Pisces would get that straight away. But we all have Aries and we all have Pisces and we'd understand that sort of the archetypes, right? And we'd understand that journey of go, 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 Aries, 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 and then let go Pisces. Yeah. Maybe could you do another, what, what sign could we pick well, up? Well, um, I know that you have a Sagittarius ascendant in the tropical yes. and a Scorpio ascendant in the sidereal. So let me ask you then, okay? Mm -hmm. So can you recognize in you your easygoing, right? Want to be in part of a bigger picture and quite spontaneous Sagittarian nature. And can you also recognize your own, um, um, what is it called, that silent eagle eye bullshit detector? <laughs> That's putting it very politely, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, have I put it too politely? No, so no, that, well, no, I'm just, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. That, I could use other words that weren't so polite. <laughs> so, so that sharp-eyed recognition of what is actually going on and the confidence, the silent confidence, right? Because it is a silent confidence in Scorpio of like watching and waiting and sussing out and also with Scorpio, you have that kind of anger when somebody steps out of truth or someone steps out of alignment or somebody steps out from doing something that is Sagittarian and goodwill. So you see how the Sagittarian nature mm. flows into the Scorpio nature. You know, the Scorpio Absolutely. nature comes out of having the root Sagittarius nature. It, absolutely it's like the, the images that you're using there are really apt for me because in terms of like the eagle soaring you know and the freedom of Sagittarius but then like the eagle eye is swooping diving down for its prey right in like the Sagittarius story because both are going on in me um, I just so happen to have the very late degrees of Scorpio rising as well so it's like on the cusp pretty much yeah right but it, what was interesting at the conference is when I gave my own talk about it and I asked people, there weren't that many people in the room and I should have asked people online, but it, it was good to get at least a, a feedback from a, a few people, uh, yourself included. What rising sign do you think I am? I'll give you a choice. I'm either Sagittarius rising or Scorpio rising. And everyone said Sagittarius. Yeah. And I was thinking, why is that? I've always looked at myself as more as Scorpio rising because I use the sidereal. Yeah. But a group of people who used the tropical instantly said Sagittarius. Yeah. So that, yeah. that I find interesting as well. So is, is it that actually it's this one and the same? Is tropical, you know, again, with the overlap, is tropical Sagittarius, sidereal Scorpio? Is it one and the same? Well, I think it is. And I think that had there been some sidereal astrologers in the room, they would have probably recognized, because I can see it in you, the fact that you're watching, the fact that you're thinking, the fact that you're, you're sussing, you have that kind of scorpionic kind of measuring, you know, almost waiting. And, um, waiting to, to <laughs> counts. <laughs> yeah. and, and so maybe they would have seen that and they would have reckoned, it's fun. The thing that, that came uh, to light with writing this book was that 
our characteristics, we recognize so much about each other's characteristics, and yet we actually, we, we only use like, I know, a minuscule amount of a description of what a characteristic is, a full, the fullness of it. Mm. And so the rest of it is our inner work. You know, our inner work is, oh, yes, I recognize that look. I recognize that movement. I recognize that style of something that I can't quite put my finger on mm. as being a certain characteristic of, and in this case, I'll say with the the plant, with the, the constellations of being Scorpio or being Sagittarius or being Taurus or whatever. Mm. I really find it's freeing me up a lot as well. It's it's this sense of like, you know, you are this, that, or the other. And even though we as astrologers really define that very, like there's a, a whole kind of tapestry there and it's not like just one sign. I'm not just Scorpio rising, right? But even so, it's like, it's so freeing to kind of not be pigeonholed. You know what I mean? And, and, and just kind of flesh out the image or the, in your mind's eye, whatever, you know, it is you're perceiving. Because I obviously do acknowledge Sagittarius in myself. And it's like, that is there too. But I acknowledge all the signs. Because my teacher, Pearl Finn, used to always say, oh, we're all the signs. So I always had that in my head, that we're all of them. And that we might be more some than others or in some ways than others, but we're all of them. So I think it's very freeing, actually. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think um, where you say as well that we're all of them, and, and, and I think that this is something that perhaps we lose as astrologers sometimes, mm. that when we say that we're all of them, what does that actually mean? Well, it means that we have all those characteristics in us mm. at some time and in potentiality. And the horoscope is like, here, that's where you're going to find your Sagittarius nature. That's where you're going to find your Scorpio nature. But they all run into each other. So it's quite... It really is that map of like, oh, well, I know that I have them everywhere. I'll most likely find it in, you know, practices that include my ascendant, practices that include my second house thing. Or, you mm. know? And so it's a, a, a map to find the characteristics within us. It's interesting because I've heard of a tantric technique where you can actually choose what rising sign you wish to have and actually live your life as if you were that. That's something I came across at one point. And then I, I remember as well, um, I remember with someone uh, getting a time of birth and not being quite sure of it. And then, oh, let's try this one. It could have been PM, not the AM that you're giving me. Cause I obviously wasn't happy with the, this is someone very close to me. <laughs> so it's like, obviously wasn't happy with that rising sign that you have. So <laughs> I decided you're going to be a PM birth now. And then I was literally, so obviously it was the absolute opposite sign that I was giving them. Yeah. And, but I started seeing them more and more and more as I used this sign as that. Yeah. The thing is, the reality of it is they weren't that. And obviously I had to then at some point, because they confirmed their time, put it back to AM. And it's like, okay, you are that sign. I won't say what signs they were because I don't want to offend anyone. But there's certain signs, obviously, that some people, you know, might have an issue with, right? Or there might be, you know, problematic. Well, like I did. I did with my Cancerian rising. There I was, right? So I've got a Sagittarian sun and a Gemini. I And I thought that I had a Gemini ascendant. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's me. You know, like, that's really outgoing, isn't it? That's a really... And you could probably see my outgoingness, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. 
then you find out you're a Cancerian ascendant, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Now explain to listeners exactly because I, I that story you tell in the book as well, which is great, which is another thing that connects us together because we have a similar but very importantly different story, which we'll describe after. But can you describe, like you do in the book, how you came to this these two different signs? Okay, so when I began astrology, my mother said I was born at three fifty, and I mean three thirty p.m. and or was it three? Oh, I can't even remember what time my mum said. But anyway, that gave me a Gemini ascendant. And, um, and I really liked it, you know, and, and I think, I think even my teacher was quite impressed. I had a Gemini ascendant and a Sagittarius. <laughs> um, right? <laughs> it, I mean, it speaks of a lot of potential, doesn't it, in communication and going out there and being sociable. And um I then found out I could write to the hospital and find out my exact time of birth and they said 4 30 and there I came back with this cancerian ascendant and it was like oh my goodness I really I really remember the sinking you know but it was actually within days that I realized oh no I am it it gives me that space to because I, I know that I'm a bit moody, not moody, but like I have feelings and I will respond to them and, and act with them and feel a situation, what it feels like to actually walk into the situation and just vibrate emotionally with it. Mm. And so I realized that the Cancerian ascendant to me was very real, but I realized too, I also recognized the Gemini ascendant and so I had to bring those two together somehow and it was also it, that as well as discovering the sidereal and the tropical was also about making that choice so that I had a, a moment of choice that I really had to choose so at first it was easy for me to choose the Cancerian ascendant mm. because I was a tri I was a tropical astrologer and it was given as as fact and you know, yes, of course, I can see it in myself. But then when I had the choice, I chose the tropical. You, you chose the tropical. Interesting. Even though that one wouldn't have been your initial choice. Yes, exactly. I know. Yeah. That's fascinating because actually mine was similar, but very different in that oh. um, similar in that I was given the wrong time of birth initially by my mother, had my chart drawn up by an astrologer who just so happened to be at the time I met her changing from tropical to sidereal so right. she she'd uh, drawn up my chart tropically right with this incorrect time of birth then a few weeks later as this astrology was changing to sidereal my mother gave me the correct time uh, um, some hours later and I had my chart drawn up again by the astrologer who's now doing sidereal so it was the same sign yeah because yeah. the initial one was wrong so I was given tropical Scorpio it was an earlier time a yeah. wrong time and then I got the later time with Sidereal Scorpio. So in either way, that's the difference between our stories is that I just saw myself as Scorpio right from the get-go. Yeah. And then that really embedded in me then what Scorpio is all about and me being Scorpio, right? If it was Sagittarius given to me initially with the correct time, I don't know how where I'd be now, to be honest with you, because let's face it, I'm studying an Indian system, Sidereal system, but also an Indian type of astrology living in the west of Ireland like that's it's already 
alienating enough to be an astrologer <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like doing that you're doing Indian astrology you're not even doing just regular astrology so it's like I don't know if I would have chosen that but anyway it's interesting how you got the two different signs so mm -hmm. it's I feel like it's almost like from the get-go you had this open mind to this possibility so tell us though where at what point though that you started to explore both zodiac quote-unquote both zodiacs Okay, so um, I was 27, so I'd been studying astrology since I was 22, and I was living in Bristol, and I was started to um, map the constellations. I'd go out at night and see where the constellations were, but they weren't really in the right place, right? And, and so I thought that, yeah, okay, maybe it's because of the angle of the earth, maybe it's because of the lack... I did it over and over again. And then I kind of got used to the fact that they weren't in the right place, but that's where they were. And then I heard about um, sidereal astrology. And so I found out more about it. I read Cyril Fagan's book, Our, um, Our Hero. <laughs> and I like that, that was, that was it. I just knew, first of all, when I say I just knew, really, I'd, I'd say it took a good, five years actually studying the differences and getting my head around it all and the procession and what it means and how it continues and so I think there was a good five years percolating before I started to then actually have an idea of how they could work together mm. but the idea of how they could work together came out of I don't even know to be honest. No, it just came, you know, it was almost just trying to make sense of it all, all the time, to be honest. And then, and then an idea started to form, I think it was um, 2096, maybe 96, something like that, maybe a bit earlier. Of course, you'd been thinking about this for years, right? So yeah. it's like you were primed for that, you know, experience and that vision, right? So it's like, in my mind, I just find it interesting how we as astrologers, we might be working with whatever we're working with, but we're continually learning and opening to new ways. And it's like, it seems a bit like we're having to be like that all the time, doing whatever we're doing and the systems or techniques we have while learning new ones and adding them in and you know choosing ones that work and ones that don't work. Because let's face it, we couldn't throw it all out right and then just start afresh because we have whatever we have up until that point mm. so it seems to me that you've done this really great job of balancing both because i actually at one point for a year or a year and a half tried to actually complete it was like obviously an impossible task try and get out of my mind that i was using sidereal <laughs> it was like ridiculous because i couldn't like i was, wasn't able to do client work and all of that i was trying to get out of my mind that i had sidereal i want to like look at tropical really completely objectively like fresh completely fresh yeah but i couldn't i couldn't because i was so indoctrinated or whatever you want to call it or so practiced in the sidereal system and the indian approach that i just couldn't and i had to give it up so when i came across your work of course then it's like well i don't have to completely give it up i can incorporate it you know and that's why i find that's really useful for for this work that the the thing though the next question the most obvious question people are going to be asking i'm sure listening to this in their mind is how though practically 
can we apply this? Because yeah, it's great to be saying, you know, we've got all of the signs and we've got this sign and that sign becomes the nth degree and all of that. But how can we apply that? Or do we have to? Okay, that's a good question. And, and I just want to add quickly before, before I answer that, because I did forget to say, when you said about you trying to be a, trop a tropical astrologer, I did spend um, a couple of years being very interested in the sidereal as well. And so um, I think that might have also added to the mix of bringing them together. Okay. Right. And I just, I think one of the things was I accepted all along, they both worked. I didn't know how. I couldn't work out how. I couldn't pinpoint why, how. Mm. And that's, that was just left as a black hole, really. The fact that they both worked was almost held in a dynamic. Because I'm sure, as you know, like that's, most people's criticism of astrology mm. and even astrologers criticism of astrology where it's like wait a minute like if they both you know are true well they can't both be true and if both aren't true then one of them is wrong is that you know and so you get into all of these kinds of it's kind of like the fate and free will argument when we start saying this or that or this versus this this kind of duality of mind how we can really split things in our mind and that they can't possibly both be true Right. It's kind of like it's the nature of the mind, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and why can't they not both be true? Mm. And this is the uh, and, um, and in order now to go to the next question and, and almost like this has been a bit of a bridge to the next question was that um, there's the Barnum effect. Have you heard of the Barnum effect, which is another criticism of astrology? Yes. You know, that people believe in astrology because they they believe that about themselves they can believe anything about themselves mm. right so they're they're looking for it and therefore they see it and therefore it's real well i don't see that as a problem actually <laughs> you know i think and, and i think this is the other thing people are, are expecting our personalities or our characteristics to be set in stone but they're not and i think this is what astrology shows us is that they're always in potential at any time, you could become a really angry person standing up for some kind of like injustice or something. And I don't know, as if you've got Mars and uh, something in Aquarius or something, and other, and other Sun and Mars in Aquarius, you could become like really standing up for all sorts of things that for the best of other people. You could. You have that, we all have this potential of being completely different characteristics. Our characteristics are our preferred characteristics. Mm. And those are the ones that we find. But the characteristics, our preferred characteristics, are just there as a, a handle. Mm. They're just there as something to um, explore the world with, interact with the world with. This is what I get more than anything, actually, with astrology, because it's like at some point, and you know that my astrology, I call it timeline astrology. Mm. I was always more interested in timelines because of that, because we could discuss all day and all night and for the rest of your life, all your different characteristics, yes. flesh different things out that we see in you and then anyone. But really, I'm more interested in what is happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we can't really argue so much with that. 
we could like you know with that effect look at you know anything in any person's chart and really hone in on that put the mic microscope under that um and say this is you and we can that person could really focus on that part of themselves but what is happening in your life what has happened in your life this is this sense of time passing what is who are you becoming in other words not just who are you who are you becoming so that's why i feel like this is why now to the question of how does it work practically mm. how can we use both quote unquote both zodiacs in a practical way for somebody okay well this is also how do we use astrology in a practical way mm. it's not just how do we use both zodiacs both zodiacs are easy to use in a practical way and the nth degree there's a, a template in there as well that people can cut out and it's very easy you can just slot it on so you don't have to go 24 minus 24 blah blah that means that's that you know so you can cut out a template so it's easy to use both zodiacs at the same time it's easy to use just sidu and it's easy to use just tropical mm -hmm. but what whatever we're using is like why are we using astrology what are we using it for and and that that is the thing astrology is a tool and ultimately we should be using that we should i say should perhaps it's best <laughs> that we use astrology to be the best that we can be and to prove our connection to the universe for me that's enough and like you with the timeline i love the the transits myself and uh watching how they trigger me it's almost like karma comes up as they trigger me or trigger aspects in my own horoscope so how do we use astrology overall? Why do we use it? You know, yeah, we could, how do we use it for practical purposes? For practical purposes, I'd say use it to be the best person you can be and to live your life to the absolute depth of your potential mm. for the way you choose. But is that a practical answer? It is a practical answer. Absolutely. I think it's the most practical answer, actually. That for me, that's what astrology is, you know. I mean, everybody can manage their life without astrology, mm. you know, if they just kind of tune into what's going on around them and just be in any way kind of intuitive. But like really to reach your full potential, astrology is so helpful. Um, but that, that notion of as well, um, the two zodiacs, again, the sense of two different signs, but really you're talking about the same planets and you're talking about the same conjunctions and oppositions and you know, none of that changes, obviously, with two different signs, right? So it's like, I often see astrologers talk about aspects, and especially Western astrologers obviously talk more about aspects anyway. It's kind of their go-to, right? The first thing they talk about is aspects. Whereas Indian astrologers talk a lot about transits and the dashas, you know, the, the circumstances, or like, I think there are like equivalents in um, Hellenistic astrology, like, um, um, that show basically chapters in a person's life where you can just see, you can divide the person's life up into chapters and then overlay the transits over that. So that's when I say timeline, I mean kind of all of those elements. Mm -hmm. But like, it's interesting when I look at Western astrologers talk um, a lot more about aspects than Indian astrologers or Vedic astrologers. Um, so really, does it matter that you have two zodiacs? No, no, it matters how you're going to use astrology in the first place. And which I, I feel, whichever way you need to tune deeply into you, to find, to find, and now this is the thing, 
it's 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 not good enough to say um, I have a caring, sensitive personality. I want to feel and live that caring, sensitive personality. I want that caring, sensitive personality bit of me to touch the world. And how does it touch the world? Or it's not good enough to say I've I've got the the potential to. Um, uh, be really assertive let's say I've got the potential to be really assertive in certain situations right that's not good enough I want to be assertive and I want to be assertive in the situations I want to be ass assertive in that's what I use astro astrology for so I can find those characteristics and live them yeah and, and so the the the, the tropical and the sidereal, the nth degree, was as much as it is, you can use them together to understand a characteristic and to have almost a wider spectrum of finding it mm. in you. It, it was also, from the beginning, a way of taking astrology into the future and to tell the people, the cynics, that hey we've we astrologers have got this under wraps actually we know what's going on it, it actually doesn't change that much about astrology mm -hmm. that's fascinating um like as yeah i mean it's it's a mute argument really and, and i think that you know when you see people you know cynics and critics of astrology who haven't even bothered to research what astrologers are doing yeah. <laughs> um it's quite you know it's it's a bit disappointing usually but one of the things I want to ask about now, um, again, bringing it back to the more practical, is the title of the book, The Nth Degree, but also this concept of the distinctions where you have 24 of them and you write about 24 distinctions in the book. So I want to hear about that because I think that's where it's kind of com what it comes down to this book, right? Okay. What are the 24 distinctions? Okay. So as we know, the 20. Four, and, and, it's, and it's quite a coincidence that there are 24 distinctions and the separation of the sidereal and the tropical 24 degrees. But, I, I, but as I mentioned in my book, maybe that synchronicity is because now is the time to find out. But essentially the 24 degrees of a precessed, of, of a tropical sign that has been precessed, right, is a distinction. So the 24 degrees from north degrees Aries to six degrees Pisces, right, mm. is a distinction. And then we've got the, the, the part that is six degrees Pisces, that is still six degrees Pisces, which is actually the end degrees of Pisces in the tropical, but it's Pisces, Pisces, old and new Pisces. So that's another distinction. So the the distinctions are alternate 24 degrees six degrees 24 degrees six degrees 24 degrees six degrees okay mm. 24 degrees is where you've got the old tropical sign and the new sidereal and the six degrees is when you've got the old tropical and the new sidereal when they're still the same okay mm -hmm. so those are the 24 distinctions I find this fascinating as well, the, the language you're using, which is, again, really helpful because you're talking about old and new. But what's interesting is when you use old for tropical, is that then that's what it is, really, mm. and new for sidereal, whereas people who 
study sidereally, it's almost like you're doing this kind of hokey cokey sort of thing in the past. You know what I mean? But like it's actually new in that sense, in terms of what's happening with the procession. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, the sidereal, um, they like to... Actually, I've just had a thought. I'm not going to go there because otherwise I'm going to... to... Have you, oh, 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 have you skirted around a tangent, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there. So the sidereal is very traditional, yes. Right, yeah, it seems like old and traditional and it's like thousands of years old because it's like this system that's, you know, but then the tropical is like new and up-to-date and shiny and brand new. In our minds, that's kind of, well, in my mind, that's what it would be like. But in actual fact, astrologically, astronomically, it's the other way around. As you say, it's the old is the tropical, the new is the sidereal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. So in terms of the sidereal and the tropical, um, we talked about the practicalities of that and the 24 distinctions. And, and again, the quote unquote, two zodiacs. Um, can you explain? I think listeners will be like, you know, pricking their ear up, thinking, when is he, when is she going to talk about like <laughs> this sign? I want to understand. Like the, in the concept, it just sounds great. And even I, when I went to your talk, I left the talk kind of thinking, yeah, that's oh my god, I just really get it. And then I went back to my room in the hotel, and I was like trying to think and sit sit down with myself and think about, wait a minute, how does Scorpio again or how does Sagittarius become Scorpio again it's like I couldn't get my head around it then so I was really glad to get your book then to kind of read it again to get it into my head so can we maybe pick out another couple of signs so people can uh, let's pick up well you've talked about Cancer and Gemini let's let's leave that one maybe let's talk about Virgo should we say tropical Virgo and how it becomes Leo Leo oh okay and I've oh I see I see this I think that this is one of the 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 sets of signs that is very obvious and Leo and Cancer actually because Leo is such a strong sign the mm. characteristics of Leo are quite strong mm. and so the characteristics of Leo are as you you tell me as a sidereal tell me the qualities of Leo well the same as you would this is the other thing about this because there's there are no differences in the sign which is interesting when we call them old and new and tropical yeah. and sidereal and all of this but there, there are no differences in our attributes that we give the sign. So Leo is, as we imagine, Leo ruled by the sun, you know, grand royal, the center of attention or the center of something, the central hub of a family or community or, a, a, you know, some role of leadership or being the center of attention in some way. And, and that kind of shining bright quality and regalness of Leo. I mean, I've never met a Leo, which we have to get into this question as well before we wrap it up. Um, because I'm looking at Leos as sidereal Leos. You're looking at Leos as tropical Leos often, um, if, even if you're, not, if, if you're not solely doing that. But we're still seeing the qualities of Leo, of yeah. being proud and regal and all of that, right? So that's what I think about. That's, maybe let's park that for a minute, that question of how can we both be looking at with two different zodiacs the same person well you see i'm saying i'm saying the thing is right so say go back to the virgo and the leo right and we can see how the leo quality of the virgo quality are attached you see the quality that we're looking at the leo quality that we're looking at and you're saying regal shining center of attention i'd add creative creative as well that kind of confidence and spontaneous nature that is um able to just be itself in the moment 
okay, or, or might choose that in creativity or something. So it's very much, a Leo tends to like that being presentness, you know? And so that those Leo nine qualities, right, are actually attached, right, to the Virgo qualities. So, but if you take the Virgo qualities of um, meticulousness and perfectionism, order, and um, optimization as well, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got optimization in work or tasks or body and health, everything, you know. So let's take those kind of qualities and we kind of roll it into one word, right? So we would roll it into the word Virgo, but like we're taking it all apart now. So we're unpacking Virgo and we're going to use, say, like, let's say optimization and perfectionism, okay? You've got somebody who's who's literally, if you're being optimizing and perfecting, right, you're literally going, that needs to go there, that needs to go there, that needs to be done there, and that needs to be done then. You're actually ordering the world, aren't you, right? Mm -hmm. And the same characteristic of that is almost like, well, why are you ordering the world, right? Mm. And it, it's like everything is now sorted, and so almost the joy of Leo comes up, right? Everything is sorted. And so like, oh, I mean, you know yourself when you've ordered your world, you can almost go, wow, that's nice. Well, I am the king. Imagine when you're cleaning your house, right? Cleaning your house, right? Or mm. you've got a room and you go, right, I'm going to make that part my, my workspace. That part is where I'm going to sit down and have my cup of tea in the morning. And that part is that I'm going to put everything in boxes. And then you sit in that room, after you've put everything in order and you go, this is my palace. This is my castle. You have that Leo feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it's the feeling. It's separating the feeling from the actions. It's all the, the sense, the state of mind, separating the state of mind. And it's an extension. That's what I'm saying. It's an extension. You see the Virgo putting everything in boxes, finding the right place, doing the order, optimizing the space is not just to do that for no reason. Mm. You know, and you know why I brought up uh, this? Oh, no. <laughs> Will you just read my chart, Ricky? That's all I want you to do. This is all, this is, this is all about me, obviously. <laughs> because I have, because I have moon in Virgo, tropical yes. Virgo and sidereal Leo. Yes. So I have moon in the old Virgo and new Leo. And everything you said makes complete sense not just to me, because everybody has these qualities, right? Everyone knows that when you are very orderly and you put something together and you work on it and you're really precise and you get it done, what what's what do you want to do with it? You want to show it off. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, and I'm forever making lists and I'm always really orderly and I'm really tidy, moon in tropical Virgo. But I am a bit of a show-off too, moon in Leo, and I like to perform. There's a performance part of me that is there too. And if I hone in on that, I can really accentuate that. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't be able to do like all the things I do if I didn't have that moon in Leo. I'd be just doing the research, you know? Not only that, if you're moon in Leo, if you think how much you like to be the, the attention with the moon in Leo, I bet when you look, before you're actually being the attention, you've probably organized in your head, in your mind, you might have even arranged the space in a certain way so that like whatever space you're going to be in to be the center of attention 
mm. is just so. You've probably imagined how you're going to do it. You've probably sorted things out and prepared, prepared some words, prepared some ideas, whatever. Mm. You've probably done the Virgo work already. Yeah, and, and then some. Yes, to, the en- to the nth degree. <laughs> yeah, let's to the nth degree. Well to make sure to, that it really is done properly. <laughs> and because it's done so properly, Leo is so confident. Wow, that, that's a good example. That is such a good example. And I think I'm hoping that listeners will get this as well in terms of understanding the zodiac in this way mm-hmm. and how it precesses in this way. And instead of always looking forward through the signs and the story we tell through the signs, can you give one more? I'll let you choose it. So I'm not going to choose any of my charts now. So you can choose whatever sign and bring it to the end degree uh, for the audience. Okay, okay. So we've, uh, we've done Sagittarius Scorpio. How about um, Pisces Aquarius? Yes. Oh, and that's a relevant one, of course, because of course, in the grand scheme of things in the oh, ages. Yes, and we must, we must uh, talk about the, the spirit of the age at the end as well. Yes. Anyway, um, so Pisces, we know Pisces. Oh, they're so flowing, aren't they? They're so passive. They're so full of love and compassion for all beings. They, they really are lovely, these lovely, lovely um, people that you can tell they just kind of effuse a kind of beingness. I'll be me, you be me, that's okay. And so this passivity, right, of Pisces, how does that become Aquarius? Well, it is just literally the waking up because you're not always going to be in a dream. It's a simple, almost awareness of other people. Through being aware of other people, well, shouldn't these other people have good things too shouldn't these other people that's not right here i am feeling blissed out pisces right nice in my world you know the world is good for me i'm able to feel good about the world what about those people over there they're not feeling good compassion and then what do i do so compassion 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 and you've got to do something for it so you stand up for the other people You want to make the world a better place. You want the brotherhood of man to come alive. You want the the people to get into groups to be stronger. It's no longer a a secret anymore. There's a kind of coming out and making uh, a world better for other people. Wow, yeah, that is so, that's so spot on. I'm also thinking about with Pisces, how it's obviously the sign of faith and religion and how blind faith also perhaps that kind of like you say that kind of just tuning out in or tuning in to tune um into something but in another way tuning out of what maybe what's happening in the world around you and like complete like a dystopian reality around you where you're like praying to god right so there's that side of it but at the same time that can only go so far obviously and then and degree of that is actually questioning god even maybe yes aquarius oh that's a really good way of saying it as well yes yeah how can how could how can God do this? Yeah, you know that when you hear that often, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you hit and an Aquarius is somebody that is like undoing all that kind of religious belief, you know? But, you know. Oh, so in terms of this age we're heading into now, I mean, I've read a lot about it, and you know, it doesn't seem to be the kind of hippie, let's all dance around, and you know, the hair uh, movie. Um, kind of scenario it doesn't seem to be that at all i mean there's a lot about people that's associated with aquarius you know in many ways so how do you see that that trans- transition in the next over 400 years or so but wh- however long you see it 
it is a, a transition. It is. It right. is. How do you see that work out? For a start, I'd say we're still in the age of Pisces, but I'd say we're in the tail end of Pisces. So I've called it, that's why I've called my, my business Fishtail, because I'm saying that we're at the, <laughs> the tail end of, of the fishes. And I'm seeing it as compassion, actually. I, I'm really glad there's still another 400 odd years of Pisces, because if we look back through the world, through, through time, people thought it was okay to hang people to cut their heads off, to chop their hands off, to, to quarter them, to torture them, to impale them. These, these is just, it's unbelievably disgusting to our minds now. But in honesty, it wasn't unbelievably disgusting to the minds a thousand years ago. It was almost, it was horrible, obviously, but it was almost more accepted. Now it's totally unaccepted. Mm. And so I'm seeing more and more compassion um, awakening for everybody with a lot of Aquarian idealism as well. Mm. But um, I'm also seeing a, um, a big rise in enlightenment and a lot of people kind of like going, yes, you know, we recognize the nature of existence and Buddhism has like really become quite uh um i think i think stronger yeah as well in the in the sense of at least just love everybody at least just have compassion for people so i'm seeing it as a really good thing and, and i'm seeing and i'm seeing that that in all likelihood i believe humanity will be quite compassionate probably fully compassionate for others and so does it become like the nth degree of Pisces moving into Aquarius? Does it become more so? And in a way, does that also mean like a, I don't want to use the word burnout, but like the kind of like the extreme of like the extremes of Aries and assertion and aggression even leading to passivity, for example, or Pisces compassion leading to compassion burnout, as I think that's a phrase, isn't it? Where Aquarius then becomes, well, it's just, we got to do something. There's no point just like sitting in meditation. Um, we have to actually go and, and help someone because we have this compassion burnout. Have you heard that phrase? No, I haven't. It's a great phrase. But, um, I expect that we're, we're kind of doing that. I mean, you know, time moves really slowly, actually. Mm. You know, and it is kind of happening. There is a whole load of compassion going on just as like there's loads of people standing up for the women in the Middle East that have to cover up themselves. And, and then of course, there's the ones that want to cover themselves. And, and there's, there's loads of people standing up for other people that aren't, aren't or, or cannot find enough food or, you know, there's loads of people doing a lot of good for everybody else. Mm -hmm. that, and that's very Aquarian, but it's right. also stemming from the compassion from them. Right. Yeah. That's the key point, I think, and I think this is maybe a good way to finish it as well in terms of the understanding that it's not just the, the forward journey again through Aquarius to Pisces to Aries and so on. It's looking at it, how it goes backwards uh, with that nth degree. Um, but I do want to just address that one last thing, because I know people are going to be listening to this, thinking about this in terms of people who are very aware of the sidereal and use only sidereal or who use only tropical. And when you say there's like 
a 24 degree difference and therefore there's six degrees overlap, right? So you talk about the 24 distinctions, but like there's 12, let's say, distinctions, therefore that are the same sign, like you say, right? The last six degrees of any sign yes. is when the planet moves into the beginning of the sidereal sign. So they're one and the same. Yes. So that's what I was trying to say. So yes. basically, when you have a planet at the last six degrees of Aquarius, it's moved into Aquarius. So it's in Aquarius in both for the yes. last six degrees, in other words. So yes. that's what I was saying, because it's like when you're, we're looking at the zodiac in this kind of reverse order, it kind of confuses in a way because we're so often looking at it in forward motion, because that's how I and I have noticed it over the years, time and time again, when a planet moves into a sign sidereally. It's still in the sign tropically for six more degrees. The first yeah. six degrees of that sidereal sign. Yeah. It's the last six degrees of the tropical sign. So basically, and I hear it over and over again, uh, Western tropical astrologers refer to the end of the transit in a sign as creating events. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've listened to this over and over again for years and years. And I'm thinking, well, of course, it's creating more events here because it's in both tropical and sidereal at the same time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering, and that question that I was referring to earlier, I think is important to address that when you talk about someone who's Leo, and both sidereal and tropical are going to describe Leo the same, is it just that overlap we're talking about then? No, no, I think when you see somebody, let's say somebody's got their sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, and Mars, right? <laughs> and Jupiter, why not? <laughs> In in Leo, right, of that is between 24 degrees and 30 degrees tropical, mm. okay, and right. it would be um, one to six degrees sidereal, yeah? Right. And so say that somebody has got all these Leonine qualities, we go, wow, that person is just pure Leo, you know, so magnanimous, really shining. Mm. Those qualities are there at the beginning or the end of a trait, say, for instance, with the Virgo, old Virgo, new Leo, it's, you'll see the Leo qualities after they've done the, the, the tidying and the ordering. Or you see the Leo qualities before they are at home with their family mm. and settling in with their family and their friends. So what I'm saying, that Leo quality is attached to its own, so it's either doubly Leo quality or it's attached. So we're talking about a quality as if it's something that can be touched, but it cannot. Yeah, yeah. No, but you've made such an important point. Like that is really, really where the crux of it in a way, what you're talking about here and then how you're, where, you know, you're going to be able to help, you know, tropical and sidereal astrologers come together, understanding those distinctions as you write about in the book. Mm. That's, that's it. That's the crux of it, right? Yes. Yeah. A sense of like Leo, you know, the nth degree of Virgo becoming that latter part of Leo or, you know, um, the beginning part of Leo and, you know, how you tie that back into cancer and yeah. the family. So how yeah. they, they're all, it's like there are no lines in the sky. That's right. <laughs> so we kind of have to tie it all together. And it's like this, this tendency, again, I think it is the mind's duality and the mind's tendency to want to, slice everything up in our mind to make sense of it in bite-sized pieces and we're only finding these qualities in ourselves as astrologers to work with them mm. you know or maybe maybe we want to find them to to explore them for other reasons but 
but we're using them for our own process. You know, they don't even need to be written stone. We're just trying to find them. And so I think the nth degree is a way of, of being able to find the qualities and talking about the qualities as well as um, recognizing our connection to the universe as having a grand plan that is shown through the procession of the equinoxes over all of time. <sighs> that feels like to me like a nice bow that's wrapped up this subject in like what is a very complex subject and you make it sound really easy but it's obviously not and I'm sure listeners are going to be trying to wrap their head around some of this but like that's I think what good teachers do when you're in their presence they just give it to you and you're like okay that makes sense but then you go off and you're like oh wait a minute what did she say again <laughs> so I'm gonna you know you know that's that's something we have to it's an ongoing dialogue I think but to wrap this up today, because I, I really appreciate you coming on, Ricky, uh, I want to ask something about yourself. I want people to know who are listening a little bit about you. So first question I ask people who I've never interviewed before, what would you be if you were not an astrologer? Okay. Okay, now, I think I would have, about three months ago, I would have always said an artist, right? But like up until the last few months, I have discovered making videos. I love making videos. I think I'm artistic. I think I'm creative. So I think being uh, uh, making films, I think I'd like to. I'd like to be. Yeah. If I wasn't an astrologer, but then I can only. I can barely imagine it. You know, it's been such a deep part of my life. Who would I, I be? Who I would I be if I didn't have astrology? <laughs> Yeah, no, of course, and I couldn't either, but it's a good thing to think about as well in terms of what would that be because, and of course, you can, you are making videos, I am, you know, so yeah. you can obviously do that and still be an astrologer, but I always find it interesting when people tell me what they would do otherwise, and they, some people would say the same, it's like, how I couldn't even, it's not like a job you do, it's like, well, I can easily just get another job, this is not a job, it's a vocation, it's a way of life, it's a, you know, it's much more, but anyway, um, Tell, tell, tell the listeners a bit about your, your background, though, more so, and, you know, how you came to astrology, how you studied astrology, if you studied with any teachers or if you have any books that you'd recommend. Okay, so I was 22, right, a long time ago, right, and in those days, there was this magazine, I can't even remember the name of the magazine, it might have been Psychic News, something like that, and at the back of it was a tiny little ad there used to be ads in those days from people to, I, I don't know, I, I don't know actually what other ones there were, but this ad stood out and it was like, who would like to learn mystical Kabbalah? I'll teach them, basically. And so in those days, we didn't even have a mobile phone or anything. So I wrote to this PO box, right? And, and he wrote back to me. And then I went to meet this guy, right? And so anyway, I was a really bad sorcerer's apprentice. <laughs> I was really bad, but he taught me astrology. So he was a pagan mystic um, and his name was Jim. He was a pagan mystic and he taught me astrology. And the day he taught me astrology, wow, it was like my mind just like if it had been sliced open and the universe was open, to me, everything just 
almost like I'd been some kind of jack in the box before then. <laughs> and then suddenly everything just went pow. I actually remember um, going back to my friends that day. And um, so I was 24 and I was sleeping on the floor because I stayed the night, you know how it was. And, um, and I couldn't sleep. All the planets were talking to me. And, and from that moment, I have loved astrology, loved it. Love it. It's it's good to see your passion still, you know. I don't know how many I let's not give away your age, but I'm sure it's not that long ago since you were 22. Like, but <laughs> like I'm it's just great to see, and I see it in people who have the passion for anything, you know, it doesn't have to be astrology, but it's great to see it. And it's one of those subjects that you know it's a never-ending, fascinating, like like journey down this rabbit hole, you know. Okay. Um, but um tell us more about the book and where people can get it. The nth degree okay so you can get um the nth degree off amazon now i know you're in ireland so you might have to go to amazon.com yeah i can't believe that's an issue now but like yeah apparently it is so um yeah it, it is available off.com though yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also available on .co.uk as well or people so, it's, so it's all it's on all amazons that you can get it mm -hmm. and um and any other works, any other works or any anything else in the pipeline? Uh, like, because I know that when you finish your book, how much of an anticlimax it can feel when it's like done and it's out there. And, you know, it is a beginning in another way. And I think it's really important to have it out there. But do you have any plans about how to bring this forward or new works? Oh, yeah. I, uh, OK, so so I'm also working on at the moment all these videos and that be and that was advertising Cosmic Journal, which takes us back to the transits you know, which I love, which is I want everybody to start, everybody, I mean globally, I want, I want everybody on the planet to start considering that the planets are affecting them on certain days in certain ways, right? So the, my videos are all about that, so I'm doing a lot of videos, but the new book that I'm working on at the moment is Astrology for Cynics. Ah. <laughs> uh -huh because I want people to start taking notice of astrology. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that is quite a, a, a challenge because obviously I don't want it to be too academic, mm. and, uh, but I want it to be open. But it's a very, you see astrology, if you, if you use Cosmic Journal or if you're an astrologer, we, we as astrologers know that planets affect us. We're so lucky to know this. But if you don't know this and you find out when you're using Cosmic Journal or you're hearing that the planets are affecting people, shouldn't we, shouldn't you, shouldn't everybody be going, well, I think I ought to find out more about astrology. Mm. So, And the great thing about that is you don't have to worry about what zodiac you're using. If you're talking about transits and it's hitting off a planet, like it's absolutely. again, the same aspects are the same. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Your transits will be the same. So, um, Ricky, it's been great talking to you. One last question. Uh, always good to ask this question, just to throw a curveball. Uh, what would you like um, our listeners to know about you that they wouldn't know about you? And it doesn't have to be anything to do with astrology. I totally believe that everybody can become enlightened and that we can have global peace on earth in my lifetime 
That's as good a place as I need to leave it, Ricky. Thank you so much. We are heading into the age of Aquarius, but we're still in Pisces. <laughs> Gary, I want to thank you so much. It's always lovely talking to you, but thank you so much for like hosting this anyway. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been a pleasure and enlightening. And I hope our listeners found it too. So thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through to the end. If you'd like to learn more about Ricky's work, you can go to her website. That is fishtailastrology.com. You can also find her book on Amazon, wherever you are in the world. My own website here is timelineastrology.com. And you can also find me on patreon.com forward slash timelineastrology. I write daily reports for patrons and members of my website, as well as monthly in-depth reports and a whole lot besides. I have a Scorpio video club for members, which allows me to share more secret techniques, hidden knowledge in Indian astrology, and also perhaps a few controversial topics that I wouldn't be comfortable sharing on a public platform. So check it out. It's patreon.com forward slash timeline astrology, or just go to timelineastrology.com. Thanks again for listening to this podcast and until next time.